Look, welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast, guys. We are bringing you a part two with Annika from My Power Dot. If you guys haven't listened to that show, then go ahead and head over and listen to what is My Power Dot so you can get a little more information on what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be going a little bit more advanced. Am I correct, Annika? Uh, yep. We're going to be digging a little deeper on the performance side of things. Yeah, go for it because I know we just can't. You guys just came out with a new version. Yeah, we just came out with a Gen 2. And I think when we launched the Gen 1, our focus was really on recovery just because it's a little easier. It's low hanging fruit. Everybody understands how to use the device for recovery. But buying a PowerDot for just the recovery is like buying a Lamborghini for the stereo. Like there's so much more to the device. Um, And so when we came out with the Gen 2, I feel like everybody's pretty comfortable with stim in general, PowerDot specifically for warm up and recovery, but everybody's really afraid to use it for performance. There are a lot of questions around how, how often, when, do I do body parts? Do I try to marry it up with whatever I did in the gym that day? Um, so now we're focusing on educating people to use it properly for performance, whatever your sport is, everything from endurance all the way up to really explosive sports. Yeah. So, and that's what we're going to talk about today, guys, is going into the performance programs because of the fact of the new version that you guys did drop, um, ended up utilizing that. And I've actually used one so far. And the one that I used was the endurance program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used that and it wasn't too crazy. It was it, I didn't, I didn't have any residual soreness the okay. next day. So I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a good thing. Um, because I know most people do have soreness after utilizing the performance programs. If we talked about this on the last show, if you use it too much or you use too high a voltage, you are going to see some residual soreness. Yeah, not necessarily voltage, no, sorry. Um, but too much intensity. Okay. Um, so first of all, let's talk about kind of how that works. So different Hertz ranges will do different things to your body. So on the lower end of the Hertz range, you're looking more at like blood flow, um, metabolic waste flush, kind of discomfort of uh, or mitigation of discomfort, rather, that kind of stuff. And those programs don't actually contract your muscle. What they do is use it as a pump to really facilitate all those things, blood flow, metabolic waste flush. We call it garbage out, groceries in. Um, but, but it's not fatiguing the muscle. Okay. So when you move into the performance programs, now those higher Hertz levels start actually contracting the muscle. Now, which type of muscle they're contracting depends on the Hertz level. And I think you don't need to get too deep into that as the average person because the unit does the thinking for you. You don't have to have any idea of electrophysiology or muscle physiology. The unit will do all that for you. But I think it helps for people to kind of understand, well, how does this even work? Is it voodoo magic? Like we don't really get it. Um, So no, it's none of those things. So... Yeah, that's kind of the overview of performance in a nutshell. So we're talking about 12 to 120 hertz. Those are really where the performance programs lie. And that and those hertz ranges actually break down the different performance programs of that, correct? Right. So when you look at the endurance program, for example, that operates between 12 to 25 hertz, and that's really tapping into your type one or slow twitch muscle fiber. So it increases the amount of slow twitch muscle fiber being activated more than you can on your own, no matter what level you're at, because nobody, I don't care 
who you are, nobody's activating 100% of their slow twitch muscle fiber at any given time where okay. the power dot can actually go in and do that. And do now, that for you. Your pain threshold is probably going to kick in way before you can get to 100%, but you'll be activating more than than what you can do on your own regardless. Um, it also increases capillarization, the in, endurance program. So what that means for you as an endurance athlete is the capillary beds extend deeper into that type one muscle tissue, which shuttles more oxygen to working muscles, which obviously if you're an aerobic athlete, you're using oxygen. oxygen so yeah. more oxygen deeper in the muscle helps you go farther, faster. So pretty much the endurance program helps build mitochondriac in the muscle to develop higher rates of oxygen between um, between the lactate and the oxygen uh, switch, right? So if we talk right. about perure, I say that all messed up. It's one of those words. <laughs> yeah, perure, um, where pretty much is the, trans the transfer between oxygen and lactate or fat and lactate, however you want to think about it. Um, is that kind of what the endurance program is doing as well for you in certain muscle groups? It's increasing the capillarization to allow that to happen, okay. I would say. And then it as also- As a generalized yeah, yes. Okay. And then it also actually, um, something that's really interesting for endurance athletes, we always talk about VO2 max and how much that can actually change. Is it genetic? How much can you affect it? But um, slow twitch muscle fiber training with STEM is actually shown clinically to improve um, VO2 max more effectively than just training your slow twitch muscle fibers. Wow. So if you're trying to maximize whether you believe it's genetic or there's a limit to what, you know, it's a little bit of a debate in the endurance community, but whether you believe it's genetic and it can, and it can not be improved that much or you believe it really can be improved, using the endurance program on PowerDot can actually improve that VO2 max to the upper threshold of whether it's genetic or not or whatever you pr believe in. Um, yeah, it can do that more effectively than just endurance training alone. Okay, so that's and, huge. And the highest hurts on this to utilize that, to, to, to take advantage of this is going to be 25. Yeah, that program is 12 to 25 hertz. You cannot make it go higher, higher than 25 hertz. If you click the endurance program, those are the guardrails. So within these these, these performance mm -hmm. programs, what are the time domains? Do they have different time domains per per performance program? Yes. Because um, I know pre, I'm pretty going to be like, well, how long do I use it for? Or what is the max I can and what's the, the least that I can use it? It's it's kind of one of those things where you look at it and it's like, well, do I sit here and use this for 30 minutes to an hour or is it 10 minutes only? Yeah, no, if you actually look at your programs, if you go click through the programs and you um, get your main screen, click performance, and you look at the muscle endurance program, which is what we're talking about right now, um, it's 46 minute program. And it'll yep. say that on the tile on the home screen, muscle endurance, 46 minutes. And just like an endurance workout would look more like longer work periods, shorter rest, as opposed to maybe an Olympic lifter would have shorter work periods, longer rest. The endurance program, the contraction rate on that is longer. a longer contraction, shorter rest. Gotcha. So it makes it's intuitive that way. Huh. Cool. I mean, it's one of those things where I look at it. It's, it's, it's just we're building muscle endurance, but you're utilizing a machine instead of you doing it yourself. Exactly. So 
we have gotten questions from the last podcast and even just to this to when I posted yesterday about this. Can someone who is injured utilize the performance programs now, say they're an endurance athlete who can't run as much right now because of A, B, C, and D variables, now can they go ahead and throw this on and actually kind of keep some kind of fitness? Yeah. So we get this question a lot along with, hey, can I just sit on the couch and never work out and be and use PowerDot and be fit? No. But um, in the case of somebody who's injured, yes, it'll help you reduce the amount of loss that you have. Gotcha. So I wouldn't say it's going to bring you gains as a standalone device. If I'm a healthy endurance athlete, I cannot take the mindset that, hey, I'm never going to go run. I'm only going to use PowerDot and I'm going to go run crush my 5k 10k or whatever you're going to do right but if i'm an endurance athlete that's had knee surgery or had an injury and i don't want to backslide then yes absolutely power dot's going to help you uh, minimize the loss that you're going to see and that's not just power dot that's any stim any stim company that's worth its salt is never going to say hey we're going to get you great gains just sitting on the couch doing nothing. Um, but there is significant data that shows um, that STEM will help you minimize the loss if you cannot activate your muscle on your own. So whether that's um, because you have some kind of neurological disorder or you have an injury. That's pretty help. sweet. That's yeah. good to know. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that. They're like, well, I'm injured. I can't do a thing. Yeah. You know, especially we get we get emails all the time. Hey, I hurt myself doing this at work or however else. And I still want to train. What do I do? Right. Um, this is cool to have an extra tool in the toolbox of being like, hey, go ahead and look at you know a, my power dot or a stimulant and see how they can utilize and help with the residual loss that you'll get from being out and not be able to train how you like. Yeah, and I think something else that's important to point out there is I see a lot of people getting after it if they have one leg, let's say, that's injured, and they're out there on a rower with a skateboard or a med baller. <laughs> I mean, hey, kudos to you for being creative and getting after it. That's great. They're doing a ton of single leg stuff or single arm stuff. Um, the problem with that is that then you really kind of build this muscle imbalance, yep. and so you're creating another problem in an attempt to keep training. So if I've hurt my right leg and it's immobile or I'm in a cast or a brace or whatnot, um, and I'm training my left leg all the time, that's great. But when that cast comes off, A, I'm going to have significant atrophy on that right leg. And B, now I'm going to be really dominant on that left side. So during my injury, while I'm training my left leg, I can use the power dot on my right leg to try to keep that level of muscle activation as similar as possible. possible. Is the right side going to be as strong as the left side that's training? No, but the percentage of kind of variability is going to be much less. Yeah, so, it, it comes down to the power output per leg. Is right. actually if you're the goal is to have 50-50 on each leg. Right. Right. But now instead of going 70-30, we now can look at maybe 65 and you know 45 if we want to think about it, right? Like that's kind of that idea there because we do see that a lot. I see a lot of people, oh, I can't work out. I only have one arm. I have one leg or I only have my lower half. What am I supposed to do for my upper body? Well, like here you go. Here's an extra tool for the toolbox. Right. So moving on from from the endurance program, now we, we look at the strength endurance and now the hurts work between 30 to 50 Yep. Yeah. So what happens, my question for you is what happens between those five that are lost because the endurance program goes between 25 or, 50, or 15 to 25. Yeah. And strength endurance goes. Yeah. So what is that other, is that just something you guys 
omitted out or how does that work? Yeah, it's just not sig- – I mean those five hertz just don't affect anything in a significant okay. range. So doesn't create the stimulus that we yeah. want within that program. Right. I mean would it hurt if we went to 25 on the endurance program? No. But I mean – Let's just yeah. let's just keep things tight and go to go to thirty. Well, yeah. Why why the extra five hertz if we don't need them? So yeah, it goes thirty to fifty. Um, that that five hertz difference doesn't really affect anything. Um, and now we're moving more into kind of a think about an endurance athlete strength program where you're operating at about sixty five to seventy five percent effort, where you could perform ten to twelve reps of any given exercise. Um, you know, comfortably. Comfortably. Um, it improves. I don't, I'll be honest, I don't like that it says muscle tone and definition. I think anybody who trains people really doesn't like the word tone, um, but it will help build some muscle density and hypertrophy at that level. And then it also, um, we all know that endurance athletes should train some kind of strength in some kind of strength um, bias to help their endurance. Yep. So this is kind of filling that gap. If I'm an endurance athlete and I have five days of run workouts and I have, I should be going to the gym three days, but realistically looking at my life, I really only have two or even one day I can get in the gym. Then this is where you put that strength endurance piece to supplement whatever days you can't get in the gym. Okay. Again, we're not saying that this is replacing your workout, but it's a nice aid. Addition. Yeah, to it exactly okay. cool I, I think this is something good to know because of the fact especially for endurance athletes you know ultra athletes for example when they start putting in 60 to 100 miles a week the gym training kind of goes to the wayside right. um and, and again like i said the gym should be during your off season as you get more into season and a little bit more focused into you know specific style training you know when we talk about sports specific and specificity we look at that realm of hey you know we got to cut back training because of the fact that your run is important. Yeah. So let's go ahead and maybe throw this in for, you know, however, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Just throw it on to, let's say, we want to still keep the glutes and keep the, the quads and, and everything else strong. We also want to keep your body. We can kind of throw it where we need to to get that in. You can do it while you're at home just hanging out. Right. So. And you see results from STEM. And I'll say this. Um, people always ask me, oh, are there PowerDot-specific trials? No, and there are very few trials specific to any one STEM company because they're so expensive to run. And they're STEM is STEM is STEM. 30 hertz is going to be 30 hertz, whether you get it from us or any other FDA approved device. To get our FDA approval, we just had to show that we were like a predicate device. Because STEM's been around for so long, those predicate devices are. Gotcha. Old. Um, so these studies I'm referencing, I, if people are really interested, I can link the source data if you want. Um, but these studies I'm referencing talk about STEM in a general sense, not PowerDot specifically, just so we're clear. Um, but I think where most endurance athletes f- make a mistake is they focus so much on just their slow twitch muscles, to your point, and they're running. Anybody can run, anybody decently healthy and in shape. If I say run a marathon, but there's no time limit, most reasonably healthy people could complete that 26.2 miles, but they be very t- painful. Right. But, and it may take them 12 hours, 18 hours. But now if I say, great, now complete that 26.2 miles in three hours, now we start seeing where people fall off. And what's the difference there? It's the difference between having a higher power output, essentially, yep. and 
an ability to resist fatigue. So we talked about the ability to resist fatigue in the endurance program, right? But now we're talking about um, adding a little power to that, basically. So it's kind of coming in to aid some of the slow, fast twitch hybrid muscles. Gotcha. So, and, and there are studies that show that as well. It's funny. I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine, uh, Kyle Spears. He runs a uh, blacklist HQ, which is an individual coaching program. And me and him bounce, bounce ideas off each other all the time when it comes to programming. And one thing that I really realized, um, with some of my, some of the, the way, the way I write out my, my gymnastics program, especially when we start getting more focused on sports specific gymnastics, especially because of the fact that the goal of gymnastics, everyone knows this if you're a CrossFitter, is that you have that red line that you hit, and once you hit it, there's no return to, let me go ahead and hold these reps again. For example, if you have a workout of 30 muscle-ups, and you open up with 10 unbroken, now you fall to five, and now you fall to two, there's no way you're gonna get back to that 10. Right. Well, this is kind of that idea where we started talking about, I was like, yeah, you know, one thing I started playing around with was, you know, create regional fatigue, so, for example, if they're they're wanting to improve pull-ups, chest-to-bar pull-ups, produ- uh, produce fatigue in the chest-to-bar pull-up, and then from there go into a localized fatigue, local muscle endurance fatigue, and go there, and have seen pairing with that, and it's funny because you guys put down comfortable reps of six to eight reps in that range. Um, it's kind of been the same idea. I kind of go in there, all right, cool, let's go ahead and knock out 15 seconds of chest-to-bar pull-ups right into, for example, hey, eight, uh, eight ring rows, right. right? Supinated ring rows or however else or pronated, or even I go into focusing on strict pull-ups because now I'm just focusing on that local uh, movement of, of the lats and increasing that localization of, you know, making sure we get that resistance training in there, right? So I think we jumped to resistance real quick. Sorry. We no, you're good. Strength endurance, but you said eight to... Yeah, six to eight reps. Six to eight reps, yeah. Okay, so but, we just moved on just for the sake of clarity for everybody else. Yeah. George and I are looking at the same, same slides, same, slides same information. So just for everybody listening, we jumped from strength endurance to resistance where... It's, that's an interesting point. I think that's the resistance program is probably the upper limit of where most endurance athletes want to go. Um, I mean, you could go into strength, the strength program and the explosive strength, but really at that point, we're talking about recruiting pretty much type 2B yeah. dedicated muscle. Um, so I'm not sure where the benefit, maybe every so often for an endurance athlete, but I think resistance really kind of is the ba- the most bang for the buck after that i think you start seeing diminishing returns and maybe use it use those other two programs really sparingly but um you know this is similar to an 80% effort where you can complete the 6 to 8 reps so to your point it could be a great pairing or a great addition to a paired program like that yeah when i'm so, trying to increase when i'm trying to increase that 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 fatigue toward doesn't set in so fast right because i've done this now and i and, and this is not this is seeing this happen, seeing that change, you know, taking an athlete who can string three to three to four muscle ups in a workout. Now she's able to handle four to five to six muscle ups in a workout paired with different types of pulling, pushing movements or even more global, re- global style movements like a, a thruster wall ball or a row burpee into that when now we're talking about utilizing 80% or more effort in the body. Now we have to go and now go knock out that kind of aspect it kind of goes into the same aspect here, especially for an endurance athlete. You know, I know one thing I talk a lot about and something I've really kind of hit home with, especially now getting so much more into the endurance realm and blending it into the strength realm is 
the resistance touches don't need to be every day. Right. It, it, it creates such a uh, CNS fatigue on the system that it needs to be touched one or two times a week, depending on what phase and block you are in your training. But what's nice about the power dot is that it, there is no CNS fatigue. That's, that was about to go in, yeah. Oh, okay, because it circumvents the central nervous system. So I think we're going to talk about injury in a little bit yep. here. Um, so I won't like spoil that. I won't unless you want to no, 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 no. dive but, right into it. But that's what I was that's what I was getting to is the fact that like mm-hmm. resistance training when you're actually are utilizing your full body when we're going up and doing some kind of training or whatever else. But now when we go ahead and bring the power dot in, it actually is low CNS fatigue. Exactly. Exactly. So one of the hallmarks of injury is that your body now is trying to protect that area. So even once you're past the actual injury and you're clear to train again, even um your body's got a muscle guard. So you have this, unless you've been using a, a, a e-stim device, a power dot during your injury, your body is really going to work hard. Your brain's going to try to shut down that area of your body. It's thinking, oh, I've got to protect it. Mm-hmm. Obviously though, you need to be able to activate all that muscle fiber so that you can build strength there. Well, because power dot circumvents the central nervous system and it activates at the motor neuron level, we don't need to deal with the CNS. We can just go in and activate the muscle. So the brain may be having some issues getting through to the muscle, no problem, put the power dot on, turn it on, it'll have that muscle activation at the neuron level. And then what happens is because the muscle has memory, you're almost reverse engineering the path back to the brain. So next time the brain says, okay, quadricep, I need you know, global activation, global recruitment, all those muscle fibers that you've previously activated with a power dot are going to quote unquote hear the signal from the brain. So you can actually start to kind of work from the bottom up. Yeah. And, and the way I like to explain this too, is the same idea of like, you know, when we talk about a having your finger full of glue and you pushing it down a piano key yeah, and you can never take that finger off now because it's stuck. Yeah. And now you've just created this, this, this gap to where it no longer can access that. The goal we're working here now is ungluing that finger so that all the keys work across the board is yeah. pretty much what we're doing in this aspect. Yeah, that's a great analogy. So I know um, one of the most common questions is, and I think you have this on your list about using PowerDot post-ACL reconstruction. And there's actually uh, several articles dedicated to this, but there's one in specific um, I'm the data dork at PowerDot, so I have treasure troves of clinical data. But this one is uh, knee surgery, sports traumatology, and arthroscopy. And they did a look at neuromuscular electrical stimulation in strengthening quadriceps after ACL surgery. Wow. And I won't bore you with the details, but they basically it's look just at... just an abstract. Let's just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We won't get into it, but I mean, really after people have ACL surgery, because they're usually immobile, um, or they have a device that moves the leg for them, um, there is a reduced ability to contract the quads and tons of muscle atrophy. So they looked at this in people, obviously post ACL surgery. And the conclusion, just to jump to the point, is that NMAS, in addition to your standard physical therapy, so again, not trying to replace all the other stuff, 
significantly improves quadriceps strength and physical function in the post-op period compared to just physical therapy. Gotcha. So if you know anything about statistics, when they say significantly improved, that's not just like a nice descriptor. That means the data, they had to have enough effectiveness that the data is statistically significant. So enough people had to show improvement for that to actually make. It's like over 20%, right? Or something like that. I don't know what the the percentage is. The p-value, which is what they refer to it as, is 0.01% is like what they like to see. And they hit that here. So you can go, if you're really like into this stuff, you can go to a PubMed and it's actually like... Uh, 17 August 2017 is the issue. So you can, if you want to really dig super deep into this, you can look at that. And there are a couple studies like this. So basically you can buy a power dot, go to PT, make sure you're getting cleared by your PT before putting anything on. I'm not a doctor. So make sure your individual PT or surgeon is, you know, on board with this and you can use it immediately post-op to start building strength back in that quadricep. And to enhance blood flow too, which the more blood flow you can get to that area, obviously the faster you're healing. So there's kind of a two for one benefit. But in terms of training, your quadricep will come out of that much quicker. So moving on from resistance Mm -hmm. and moving on to now the next program, you guys in the performance aspect we have is strength. So everyone loves to get stronger. Yeah. So, you know, everyone's looking for that quick fix or extra thing or extra gimmick to do it. Well, guess what, guys? There's a small little piece of the tool that you can add to your toolbox right here because of the fact that uh, this strength this strength program does help with increasing muscle yes. uh, and strength. Yes. So if you look at this again, it's now we're talking 75 to 100 hertz. So we're getting into that higher hertz range. And this is where... Um, you know, this is where I look at devices. People always say, oh, well, I found this device um, on the internet for $35. Well, this is where we start to separate because most devices you're going to find on the internet for $35, they might go to 70 hertz and that's kind of the the limit. So they'll do blood flow. They might start getting into some you know, type two muscle fiber, but they're pretty kind of limited in what they do. So now we're moving into where the rubber hits the road and we're talking about 75 Hertz and up. Um, this is recommended for more fast twitch muscle groups. So type two, a, some dedicated type two B muscle fiber. And, um, this is for, I'd say your average CrossFitter is looking at this, like your maybe above average CrossFitter looking at competing and then also a power lifter and some Olympic lifters, basically more strength sports. And then outside of kind of the strict strengthening strength realm, we're looking at maybe um, volleyball players, okay. bobsled, 400 meter. You Any, know, anybody and, between that under, under that 90 second. Yep. <laughs> this is you guys right here. <laughs> we're talking to you right now. Um, so yeah, it's got some nice benefits. It actually, when we get into this Hertz level reverses the motor unit firing pattern. So normally that goes from small to big. And a lot of people just because they can't access enough muscle fiber type, they never actually get to those huge motor neurons. So it's kind of nice because NMES reverses that and goes from big to small accessing motor units that you may not be able to hit during your actual strength training. So again, a nice add-on, not trying to replace anything, but a nice add-on to try to get some of those bigger motor um, units firing. Um, There is some data here too in NMES versus NMES plus exercise or exercise alone. So three groups there. 
the NMES um, plus exercise group was the only group to show a statistically significant improvement in strength. And for, again, the data dorks, the p-value there was 0.012 if you want to really get dorky with it. Um, So yeah, EMS alone cannot, this is important to you guys, for those of you who think you're just going to sit on the couch and use PowerDot and get super strong, EMS or PowerDot alone cannot increase fast twitch myofibrils to increase the power output. So it has to be paired with training muscle. This is really important and it doesn't have to be, and this is where I get a lot of questions. Okay. So I'm a strength athlete. I want to pair NMES with my strength training. Do I need to do it immediately after my workout? And the answer is no. The only reason we really recommend it is because you're already warm. Mm -hmm. If you wanted, if you have to do it, like I go to the office, I don't have time to sit around right after my workout and put on the power dot because I usually have to put pants on. Um, They like that at work when I wear pants. It's highly recommended. So I'll come home at night and I'll take a shower or I'll sit in the hot tub or I'll do some light, you know, assault bike stuff just to get my muscle warm. And then I'll put it on on the strength program. And that's perfectly fine. There's also a warm up program built into the app. I just like to really make sure I'm warm. I'll go through the warm up program on the strength app and then I'll actually oh, wow. do the strength protocol. It's it's sufficient, but I really believe in kind of getting So you're really saying warm. not to go straight into just the strength, any of these program performance. Warm up first, and that yeah. could be in your house doing air squats, push ups, whatever, getting the blood flow, getting the body going, and then putting it on? Yeah, not for all the performance programs. I wouldn't put it on just cold. You can when you turn on the, any of the performance programs, there will be a warm up section that kind of mimics the massage um, to get blood flow going. So I would recommend at least doing that because it's contracting muscle. Just like we wouldn't go out on the track and be like, "Oh, hey, okay, hey, let's just go run ten hundred meter sprints." Go. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. You don't want to skip that warm up program and go right into contracting your muscle. Gotcha. So make sure you're warm. So you don't need to do it right after you're done in the gym. You can do it later. Just make sure you're warm. Um, working out with it on is another huge question I get, and I know that some of the stim companies companies out there are really trying to pump that as like this amazing thing. The difference is really in why are you using it? If you're trying to use it that way to improve muscle fiber recruitment, the studies actually show there's only about a 2% difference in strength output. And I would say even those studies are questionable as to the results. They're very small studies. Um, There's no real benefit to training with it for strength. Um, dynamically other than it's going to make you really sore because now you're putting a, a an eccentric load, a, you know, an eccentric contraction and an isometric contraction yeah. together and you're trying to pull it apart, you'll get really sore. So if you're a masochist, great, go for it. But in terms of actually looking at strength, it's not going to significantly improve your strength output. Um, the only time I would use it during workouts is to try to re-educate the muscle. So post-surgery, post-injury, I would use the strength program through a range of motion to, again, try to kind of reverse engineer the the firing pattern and the, the gotcha. signal going back to the brain. Just rewiring the system. Yeah. But, but for strength gains only, um, data shows that you can have a 30% strength increase in as few as 10 to 15 uses. Wow. So it's not, it doesn't require that much. And you don't need to get crazy. Don't keep it simple. Don't make it more complicated than it has to be. Gotcha. And well, the, the apps do tell you 
by the way, when to, when the most effective time to use it is. Use it three times a week before your endurance workout. Use it three times a week after your strength training. So you can look in the app and it will give you like a basic, a basic yeah, understanding basic outline and outline for it. Cool. Yeah. Well, we have another one, which is going to be explosive strength. And this explosive strength one is kind of the bread and butter for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, especially when they're looking to work in that, uh, you know, five to 12 second range that we're uh, doing, maybe a little bit smaller than that. Yeah. Um, it, it, it kind of brings me to this too, is, is, you know, when we talk about explosive strength, yeah. There's a lot of people who don't have it and there's a lot of people who do have it. Right. Right. You're either that kind of athlete or you're not that kind of athlete. Right. You know, and it, and it comes down to, you know, how risky, well, how do you train? You know, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's the style of training that you have to do to promote this explosive strength. Right. And a lot of people don't train in that realm. So again, like I said, we're looking at this in, in that realm of explosive strength. I mean, when I say a lot of people, we can go and take the full endurance side of things. Right. right, right. Who don't ever touch explosive, explosive strength. strength. And then we can go ahead and look at your straight up strength athlete. We'll use a powerlifter, for example, who you need to utilize that, right? Or a weightlifter. Right. Well, weightlifter is probably the main person I look at who needs explosive strength. Right. And we talk about the snatch and the clean and jerk. But the crazy thing about that though, too, is when I think about explosive strength, I think about the anaerobic power reserve, right? That last a hundred meters that we have to sprint in a race to, you know, anybody does it. We, right. we all know that whoever runs a 5k, a 10k, even all the way to hundred miles, some people are still racing that back end to get that time. And, and this is where that does come into play. Right. We do need this. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm not saying explosive strength is never applicable for endurance athletes, just probably obviously much less than an Olympic yep. lifter. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think genetically, we all accept that genetically you're given a certain amount of one or the other muscle fiber type and you're dominant in one. Does that mean you can never improve yeah. in the other realm? No. Like to your point, it's how are you training and what are you doing? So for somebody like an Olympic weightlifter, a hundred meter sprinter, I don't care how good you are. You're still not accessing a hundred percent of your type 2B muscle fibers. You just can't. Um, I think I've heard different figures quoted, but even the best, you know, most elite athletes are only really recruiting about 40% of any given muscle fibers at a time. So even if you're the pinnacle, you're the Olympic gold weightlifter, you're the you know most explosive person in the world today, there's still room for improvement. And so what PowerDot does is it comes in and it increases the number of type 2B muscle fibers. So that holds true whether I genetically have a ton of type 2B muscle fibers or not, it's going to help maximize whatever I have. Gotcha. Right. So if I'm an endurance athlete and it's funny, I run two mornings a week with a group of girls who um, train more in the endurance realm. They're Spartan racers, 10K and marathon, half marathon, marathon racers. And um, two mornings a week, we do speed sessions. One's on the track and one's hill repeats, 10 second hill repeats. And why are those girls doing that? Well, to your point, at some point in the race, you're going to have to sprint usually at the end when you hear those people coming up behind you and you're like, oh God, I've been in front of this person for 25 miles, like 25.75 miles. Like I'm not losing it. Or that <laughs> when I ran cross country, it was always the point, you know, two that was always the hardest. The three wasn't hard. It was the point. The point two, that was the hardest of all of them. Yeah. You're like, God. And so you need to have those anaerobic reserves. And so using the explosive strength program will definitely help 
you build that. And again, to your point, if you can only train X number of sessions and your focus is on the endurance, well, here's, here's another one you can, yeah, let's put the explosive strength program on. And again, these are all programs that are used, um, outside of your workout. You don't need to do these during the workout. I'll get people ask, should I wear this on the bike? Should I wear this when I'm running? Should I wear this when I'm lifting? I do not recommend that. I don't think the benefits are, I mean, there, there really isn't a statistically significant benefit to wearing it while you're training other than if you're trying to muscle re-educate and that's injury and that's a whole nother situation. So for just performance, no, I would use it before or after. The app will tell you, it will tell you how many days a week. Now, the other question I get there is like, well, I'm a CrossFitter and so today we did squats do I use it on my quads, glutes, and hammies? But tomorrow we're doing shoulder press. Do I use it on my shoulders tomorrow? But then the third day we're doing deadlifts. So I do I use it on my hamstrings? It doesn't need to marry up with your, your training? training program. I would take, just like you cycle through certain things in the gym, certain focus, you have a certain focus in the gym. I, I feel like saying foci is really like obnoxious and pedantic, <laughs> but saying focuses makes me sound really ridiculous. So... um. You have different a different focus in every block of training. So for me, I would recommend picking what you're weak in and cycling through it. For me, it's always glutes and hamstrings. So I take six weeks, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm really, really focusing on glutes and hamstrings. And then um, I pick the other three days a week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. I'm picking um, another weak spot, which for me is um, like mid-back. I just have a horrible ability to activate that. I really want – I'm really trap dominant. Dominant, okay. So I use it there. And then I'll cycle through for six weeks and then I'll give it a little rest. Hmm. Um, and that's how I would approach that. Don't – you'll drive yourself nuts trying to marry up like – Everything. Body part and you, you'll never get enough – really to make a difference. So just like your training program, I would marry up your PowerDot performance program in the same way. Like, hey, this is what I'm focusing on for this six-week period. Gotcha. So. Well, that leads us into a couple questions. So we already answered one. Someone did send me in one asking about um, how do we utilize the PowerDot mm -hmm. for post-surgery on ACL yeah. and just in general. So let's go ahead and just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, does it have to be a specific type of program you use when we look at post-surgery or is it going to come down to what we're focusing on as you've said? It comes down to the what your the body group, the the um, dominant muscle fiber type. Okay. So the nice thing about the PowerDot app again is that let's say you had ACL surgery and obviously we're focusing on quads, but you're like, man, I, what program do I, what performance program do I use? I don't know what muscle fiber type I'm dominant in in my quads, you can go to the app and you're going to open it up and you're going to look at the focus on tab and you're going to scroll down until you find quads. And then you'll scroll to the bottom where it says performance and it will show you the three performance programs oh, wow. for quads. I believe it's three that marry up most closely to the muscle fiber oh, type okay. in most people's quads. Um, if you have shoulder surgery, for example, rotator cuff is a big one that we see a lot, especially in the military. Um, this is a big one for them. Um, you can go to the focus on program post-surgery, scroll down to your delt, see, click on delt, scroll down to the bottom to performance. And I believe there's two programs there that oh, correlate wow. to the muscle fiber type in your delt. So again, 
make sure you consult with your PT or your physician. I'm not a doctor. Make sure you're cleared. If you stitches or something like that, you probably don't want to contract the muscle group around your stitches because you're going to tear them out. So make sure you're talking to your physician first. Once you get cleared, then you can put that power dot on and you do not need to know anything about muscle physiology. Click focus on, click the body part, scroll to the bottom under performance. It'll tell you the programs that are best for that body part. So we really try to make it incredibly intuitive. That's the and whole very point. user-friendly. Yeah, that's the whole point is post-surgery, I mean, I have kids and a job. Like I don't have time to go to physical therapy five days a week to have them put stim on my shoulder. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. So great. Now I have the stim unit at home and I don't need to call my PT and say, what program do I use? It just tells me on the app. So really, I had to write a, a summary for an award we're being submitted for. And it was like, well, what's different about your product? What's the, I guess, like the big life-changing deal in this product category? And for me, it comes down to convenience equals compliance. Wow. Every therapist I've talked to is like, yeah, I mean, the compliance falls off post-surgery because people just don't have time. It's not convenient for them. Yeah. Like, I mean, hey, I'm with you. We all have, I mean, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We all have the best intentions going into surgery and then life happens and let's just face it, you know, you're just not going to go into your PT as often as they're asking you to. Um, so do this at home. Your PT will be happy. You'll see better results and, you know, be stronger. So yeah, we, we really tried to make it incredibly user-friendly. That's awesome. So next yeah. question I got was this warm up and cool down. Yeah. So you've mentioned this already that there is a warm up in it and right. is there a cool down for it? Um, there's no cool down for the strength pr programs for the performance. I keep referring to them as strength programs, but for the performance programs in general, there is a warm up. There is no cool down protocol. Um, if I were you, I would just like you do after a workout, I would definitely stretch. You got your muscle warmed up. You activated the muscle fiber type. You contracted the muscle. And listen, guys, when, when we talk about the, um, everyday programs or the warm up and cool down programs that are standalone outside of the performance programs. We say go till where it's intense, but comfortable. When we're talking about the performance programs, go until it hurts and you want to cry. I mean, the more you can tolerate, the more muscle fiber types you're activating. Gotcha. Um, it should be painful and it's going to make you sore. I think I talked about John Wellborn was giving a talk and I had the power to all my quads and he's talking and just cranking it up as he's talking and my feet weren't touching the floor and my leg, my quad finally just contracted to the point where I couldn't keep my knee bent. And I thought John would be nice and turn it down, turn the intensity down. No, he just came and took his big old shoe and pushed my leg down till my knee was bent. Well, I did say before that creating an eccentric contraction against a isometric contraction yeah. is really painful. I was so sore the next day. I could like barely walk down the stairs. Dang. So of course I called John and had some really choice words for him. But um, you, you, there is no, it should be painful. It should be really intense. So I would recommend afterwards, just like if you killed yourself in the gym, lifting or running to stretch, right? You're contracting the muscle in this program. So what do you do when you're done? You go do a cool down, go stretch. You could use the... Um, massage program on the power dot as well to try to flush out any junk that's accumulated in there. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't go high enough on mine then. 
I, I wasn't going to call you out on that, but I'm, I'm straight up. I didn't go hard enough. Yeah. I literally probably was, I just literally went like, I kind of, once I started feeling, I was like, all right, cool, let's go with it. I wasn't, I was new to it. I didn't know exactly. Yeah. No, on the performance programs, you want to be in a little bit of cool. discomfort Good for to sure. Know. Yep. Good to know. <laughs> so if you're not crying, you're not doing it right. Well guys, we are going to go ahead and cut it off there. If you guys don't know, we do, we do have a promotion with my power dot and it is softly is it softly 10 or something like that? Well, yeah. I'll, it's, it, it gets, the- it gets you 10% off of, of their, uh, of their, of their unit. And you, it's it's a one time use, and you can go ahead and use it. It's softly ten, I think, or just I softly. So I'm trying to look. It I up think it right was now. just softly, but yeah. um, I'll go ahead and put it in the show notes again. I know a few people have utilized it, and people have reached out. So if you do have a power dot, here's some great information for you now to kind of hear it and understand it a little bit better. If you don't have a power dot or and you want to get one, go ahead and go check them out, and we've given you all the information in this two part series for you guys. So. Annika, if they want to get a, re- a hold of you, how can we do that? Uh, they can email me, Annika, A-N-N-E-K-E, at mypowerdot.com. Um, that's probably the best way if you have any questions. You can text me. Uh, my cell phone is 951-704-5497. Don't call me. I won't pick up the phone if I don't recognize your number. Um, and don't leave me weird voicemails if you do call me. If you do leave me a voicemail, make sure you don't say, hey, this is so-and-so, call me back. If I'm going to listen to your voicemail, at least make it worth my while. But yeah, text and email are best. We also have a great customer service department, which you can find online at mypowerdot.com. If you have any questions, they can also uh, help you out. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's fun. Till next time, guys. Bye.